Good morning, church. How many of y'all are thankful for for Andrew? Amen? Amen. Andrew, just so you know it, we love you and miss you and your family. I'm so thankful for your family, and and, uh, man, it's just amazing. Who's who's happy that you are a child of God? Anybody? Who's who's looking forward to seeing their father's house? Amen? And, And to realize that in my father's house, there's a place for me. Man, in, in a world where there are so many people struggling for acceptance to know that I serve a God that's making room for me, man, that gets me excited. Amen. Whew. So um, some of you may be wondering why we don't have as many chairs out. Well, we want you to actually act like people that love each other. Amen. And so, um, and so we wanted you to sit close. That way you can, you know, you can be in pro- close proximity. That way if your neighbor starts crying, you can reach over and pray over them. Amen. Or, or if there's your neighbor that you know that needs Jesus, you, you right there you can grab their hand and drag them to the altar. Y'all with me? So, uh, so anyway, I just every I, the last couple of weeks we've been putting these in your seats, and that did not happen this morning. But um, there is every, everyone is invited to our fall festival. On the back is you're invited. Okay, so you can pick them up as you go out. Man, I wish and, and I hope and pray that you can invite ten people to come to our fall festival because. I just want people to come. People think the church is this, this big religious gathering instead of people that love each other and love Jesus. Amen? And how can you show people that we love them without actually talking to them? So invite them to our fall festival. We're going to have some good fun. Um, and y'all, please invite people. Um, and the last thing is um, we're having a KK training next Sunday afternoon at 530 for those of you who serve in the rooms uh, three through fives, and so uh, just opportunity for me to share my heart and the direction that that ministry is fixing to taking, and so I'm encouraging you guys to to come and be a part of that. So y'all ready for the message? Amen. Amen. All right. So if you will, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, turn to Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three. Um, we're going to be reading through that this morning. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. Um, and uh, so if you find your place. Say amen. And I just want to encourage you. There's nothing wrong reading it off to that, but man, there's something about having a copy of God's Word and reading it. And so Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says this. says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Man, I'd love to see that. How about you? Man, set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of this, Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have been taken off of your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of in the image of Christ. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. And God, thank you, Lord, for 
God, your love. Lord, there's one thing that I can never get over, and that's your love. God, your love for me, your love for us. And God, how you knew us before we were born. God, you knew the mess we were going to make before we were born, but yet you chose to send your son to die for our sins anyway so that we would have an opportunity to have this relationship with you. That we, have, we would get this opportunity to have this relationship in which we could talk to you, which we communicate with the God of the universe. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. God, I pray today that you would move in our hearts, that, God, you would stir us inside so that, Lord, if we realize that we hadn't been taking full advantage of this opportunity to walk with you, that, God, we would from this day forward. God, I pray that you would provoke us, Lord, to be obedient to your word from this day forward. I pray, Father, that today would be a day in which you set us free from mindsets, that you set our minds free from the bondage of religion. I pray today, God, that you would open us up so we can pour ourselves out. God, move in our hearts, move in our lives. Touch us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so, I tell you, this past week, um, God had really been moving in my heart. And, and as I read that text this week, it really provoked me inside of making me realize that if there ever was a time, if there ever was a time that real followers need to rise up, that real people who love Jesus, like they say they do, needed to rise up and be the people of God that God has called us to be, that time is now. Amen? In a time in which we can look at the world and we know the world's jacked up, but in a time in which we live when people who claim to know Jesus don't walk in the power of Jesus, there's a problem. When the people that claim to know Jesus are just as sinful as the world, there's a problem. When people that are, are just are really just playing this religious game is a problem. And you know something? Those of you that's been a part of this ride with me the last three years know my heart. Like my heart is to reach lost people, right? But the more I've realized that there's more people lost in the church than there is out the doors. Because most people that come to church think they're right with God, but they're playing this religious game and they really haven't given God their heart and their life. You know, it's one of those things, church, that, that, that really, that this, this past week, I, I was, I'm, I'm friends with all kind of people, and, and, and it's crazy. Uh, I, got a, I got one of my closest friends that thinks he's saved, thinks he's going to heaven. But every time that he does something wrong, he'll call me and be like, hey, man, pray for me. He's like, why do why you want me to pray for you? Well, I know God hears your prayers. Well, then there's a problem. He don't hear yours, and he hears mine, then I believe I, I'd want to Pray to God for myself, wouldn't you? And I'm like, well, okay. Yeah, open up this dialogue with him. This happened last night, matter of fact. I'm like, okay, brother, let me ask you a question. If God hears my prayers and he don't hear your prayers, then why do you think you're right with God? I said, well, me and God got something worked out. I said, y'all got something worked out. You, you a sinner destined for hell. If you don't get your life together, you're going, you going somewhere. No, no, we ain't got that worked out. I said, well, tell me what you got worked out because if it's that easy, I want to know. And he never could tell me what he had worked out. See, it's one of those things, church, that it really it gets me to a place to where I, I can, and not because I'm the preacher. See, people say, well, you're the preacher, and that's why it bothers you. No, it bothered me before I was a preacher. It, bothered, it gets me in a place in which I see these things, and, 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 and it's not out of disgust. It's not out of hate. It's almost out of really, truly complete sorrow. 
It, it provokes me to a place to where this past Thursday, I almost was a place in which I was physically sick because I was so broken in my heart of the insincerity of some people that claim to know Jesus but don't. And it breaks my heart because what we have to understand is that when we say we are a follower of Christ, it is I who I am no longer representing, but I am now representing Christ. And so when I claim Jesus as my Lord and Savior, then everything that I do is thrown off on Jesus, not thrown off on me. And so the whole point of this is when we are an ambassador for Christ so if I'm an ambassador for Christ if somebody sees me living a life contrary to that of Christ then it says that Christ is a liar and he is not a liar and it's him living through us and that's why it's so important church that we grow in Christ likeness it's so important that we as men and women of God take God's word seriously and we we grow in it we want to be more like Jesus we don't give all these excuses about, well, you know, I, I, my, my schedule is so crazy I can't rig the word like I need to or, or I don't have time praying. You need to give your excuses to God because, church, there is more at stake here than our comfort. There's more at stake here than our image. It's the image of Jesus. And this lost and dying world out here needs to see a real Jesus living through a real man and a real woman that is really sincere. That when we really mess up, we really go to them people and say, I'm sorry. Not because you know, I'm looking bad, because I know I'm making Jesus look bad, and Jesus don't deserve that negative image. And so, church, today's message is from a place of desperation in my heart. Because the only thing I know that can change anybody's heart is God. And I don't know where you are, but God's laid this on my heart so strong today. To where my stomach has been messed up all morning because I am so sick to my stomach. Like it's been in a knot. Because I know that this is one of the things that people will ride the church pew all the way to hell on. Thinking they're out with God, but they're not. Because there was this one time that they did something, or there was this phase in their life in which they were really reading God's word and getting in his word, but they had not allowed him to transform their life. If God's not transforming your life, then you don't know Jesus. And you can only modify your behavior for a little while. You can make it look like everything's good. You can make it look like you're changing. You can watch your tongue. You can, you can stop watching things on TV. You can make it look like. But see, what the difference is, is what changes your heart is the longevity in which you follow Christ. That's why God's Word says that those who endure to the end shall be saved. It ain't those who just hang, out, hang on to Jesus for a little while. It's those who persevere. When, it, when life sucks, you keep going. When life gets hard, you keep pressing on because you know Jesus is the only one that's going to change it. That's what true salvation is. True salvation ain't this phase stuff we're going through. It ain't this stuff where I, okay, it's easy now, I'm going to follow him. But when life gets hard, I'm going to go back to who I once was because that was easy. And that's garbage and that's junk and that's going to burn up before the, foot of, before the feet of Christ. Nothing's going to change that. And that, see, this is real stuff. And this is legit. Like, if we are not following him to, with all of our heart, then what are we doing? And as I look at my friends that don't know Jesus, 
The reason they don't know Jesus is because who, those who proclaim Jesus don't show the power of Jesus. And it's so sad. As I read that text, church, I'm telling you, so many of us treat church like it's a club. This is this newfound club that I'm a part of. When we planted the church, one of my greatest prayers was, God, don't make this the new cool thing. I don't want this new cool thing. Because people are going to come, and t- but when the coolness rubs off and the realness starts, they're going to hit the exit lock like it's going out of style. See, this is a whole new walk, right? It's a whole new life. It ain't a phase. Christians, people that claim Christ for a phase don't know Christ. If the disciples had only claimed Christ for a phase, we would never know what it meant to follow Jesus because they followed him to the death. See, churches, we just read that text. I, I, I want you to understand something. And you probably need to write this down if you write notes down. But a true follower of Christ radically stands out from everybody else. We radically stand out from everybody else. In every situation, in every circumstance, we stand out. Now that don't mean we're going to be running on on all eight cylinders all the time. There's going to be some times when we do allow life to get the best of us. But that's when we're walking hand in hand with each other. We can carry each other through. Amen? Amen? Don't, don't, don't misplace following Christ for perfection because those two, you will reach perfection. But while we're walking through this, it's, it's, the fuller I follow Jesus, the less sin I should struggle with. The more I follow Jesus, the less of me should be in me and the more Christ should be in me. So if I've been following Jesus for 30 years, man, I should look, I should not struggle with near the stuff that people in church struggle with. And so verse 1, as you read, we're going to break this thing down a little bit. He says, he says, since then you have been raised with Christ. He says, set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. The, the one thing that has to happen, church, he says, set your heart. Set your heart on things above. Your heart, your heart it's your desires, right? Your heart is, is your emotions. Your heart are these things that, that, are, that, are, that are fulfilling you, things that make you feel good. Set your heart on the things of God. And so many of us, our heart is on me and not on Jesus. And when my heart is on me, my emotions are driven by what makes me feel good. What makes me, and if, if it don't make me feel good, then I don't do it. But if my heart is fixed on Jesus and him being seated on the right hand of the Father, then my heart's desire is to do anything that's going to get me to Jesus. If that means walking away from, from things, walking away from sin, walking away from relationships, walking away from jobs, whatever it means, I'm going to do that so that I am going and focused on him. We've got to set our hearts. See, if we don't set our hearts on the things of God, our minds won't never get there. See, when salvation begins, he gives us a new heart, right? It's a new heart, a new direction, a new desire. I want the things that God wants. Okay, that's my heart. I desire to have the things God wants. If that is not your heart, then you don't know my Jesus. It's your desires, church. It's your affection. My affection goes to him. I want to tell you a little secret. I didn't care one thing. Ten years ago, did I care one thing about what anybody else was doing 
or if they loved Jesus, they didn't. You know, the only thing I was worried about was me. What was going to make me happy in this moment, what was going to help me right now, I didn't care what you did. But the more I followed Jesus from the day one, from, from the moment I met him, my heart was open and my heart got, got broke to the reality of how fake people were in the church. And from immediately my heart started breaking for those in church that were playing games. My eyes were opened immediately. You know why? Because I was one of them. And there's no power in that. And as I walked in that, my heart began to open. So church, the first question I want to ask you is, has your heart ever been opened to the reality of who God is? Is your heart, is your desires set on him? And it's easy to say yes. But what does God say? It's easy for me to say yes, I would like to believe my heart. But what was it last week? What was it the week before? Just because you came to church on Sunday don't mean your heart is set on the Lord. The next thing he says, he says, set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. Set your minds. Come on, Romans 12, 2. The renewing of our minds, right? God, when we, God gives us a new heart, our minds begin to be renewed. That means our thinking starts lining up the way Jesus would think. Y'all with me? We start, we start, change, our minds start, start changing. We start focusing on things the way God would focus on. We, we desire and love the things God loves. I want you to understand something. When we, oh, this is good. When we change our minds, when we, I want you to understand something. Your position has changed if you're a follower of Jesus, so you shouldn't think the same way. All right, so when, when, you shouldn't think like a sinner anymore. If your position has changed and now you are a child of the king, you shouldn't think like a sinner anymore. Right? When, when, I, was, when I was surveying, when I first started surveying, I was, a, I was an instrument man. I, I was running the instrument, and that was all I needed to do. I, had, I had focused on one thing. I didn't know what needed to happen above me, but when I became a party chief, my focus changed because I realized that when I was an instrument man, the only thing I did was worry about me and what I had to do to get this job done. But then when I became a party chief, I was responsible for other people. And now my, because of my position changed, my mindset changed. I started thinking about leading people instead of just doing my own thing. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Your mindset has to change as a follower of Christ. You got to realize that if you are a child of the king, then you need to pick up the responsibility the child of the king re requires. And I need to follow Jesus with my whole heart. So many Christians, people that claim to be Christians, God may have changed your heart, but he, you, you haven't allowed him to change your mind. you got to realize, this is key, church, that you're not bound by this world no more if you're a follower of Jesus. That, that, that there's nothing here that can hold you. That you have, to, you have to allow God to change your mind. Man, that means when you're in the middle of the hellacious day that you have ever been a part of, God is still on the throne. Well, there is still hope in the middle of sadness. Amen? That, 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 that means you have to go to God's word and, and, and fill your mind with it so that when you are in those times, you can replace the bad with good. you got to change your position. Amen? I have, to, I, have to, I have to remind myself of that often. When I get in a place of discouragement, I got to say, Lord God, change my mind. Make me realize where I am. And when I start remembering God's word, it starts changing things. It, and I got to literally change my position. 
That's what it means to renew our minds, church. You got to understand that we once was lost and now we're found. Amen? So, so if you're lost, you got to stop. I mean, if you, if you were lost, you were searching for something, right? You were searching for something. If you found, you have found what you've been looking for. Amen? So many of us are following Jesus. We're still looking for other things to fulfill us. We're still looking for acceptance in other people instead of realizing that God is the only God that's going to sustain us. If I have found Christ, I have found all I need, church. I have found hope. I have found acceptance. I have found, man, I shouldn't be fearful anymore because I serve a God that knows the end before he created the beginning. I shouldn't have any fear. I shouldn't be a man or a woman driven by fear because I am a child of the king and I understand who I am in Christ. So many of us are looking for hope when we realize that our hope is found in Jesus. So, how, church, I want to ask you a question. How do you see yourself? See, how you see yourself really affects where your mind goes. Do you see yourself still a wretched sinner or do you see yourself a child of the king? How do you see yourself? See, when I change position, I have to think from a new position. Y'all got to understand, we got to understand that. So many people are fighting for identity. Their identity is still in who they were, not in who they are. Who they were. Your identity is in how much money I make, in the friends I have, my social circle, the, the, the cars I drive. My identity is wrapped up in that. You are still hung up on who you were. But when you realize who you are, you realize none of that junk matters. You realize none of that stuff affects you because you were a child of the king. That means when you, you lose your job, all hope's not gone because you know you're following Jesus. When you get cancer, that means all hope's not lost because you know you are a child of the king. What's the worst that could happen? I could die and go see Jesus. Amen? When your perspective changes, the way you pursue life is different because you're pursuing it from a way of looking at Christ, saying, all my hope is on you. Everything is on you. What matters around me don't matter. Everything is on you. That changes the way I love people. That changes the way I see sin. That changes the way I see my desires. Because I know if my desire is different than God's word, then my desire is wrong and God's word is right. That's why so many Christians can live in sin. So-called Christians can live in sin and be okay with it because they don't really know who they are. And the reality is if you truly know Jesus, you can't live in sin for long. You can dabble in it, but you can't live there. You can't live there. If you can live there, then it means you're, you can reject Jesus, and you can't reject God. Salvation means I accept Jesus. So anything apart from accepting Jesus means I'm rejecting him. And if I'm rejecting Jesus, that means I'm rejecting my salvation. Because I'm saying, I think of me more than I think of you. I like where I live more than I like what you want me, how you want me to live. And the, and the command for us to live different church is not from a place of hate. It's a place of love that God knows that in our sin there is wretchedness. There is nothing good in us. But if we give our life to Jesus and allow him to change us, then we will have more fulfillment because there is so much more and allow him to change you. I can tell you, I, I, I can talk about it all day. I, I can't tell you the freedom it is. To not be 
angry all the time. That was one of the biggest things to me. It didn't take but just a little bit to flip the script, baby. It was just a minute. I, I am so thankful that I have changed, not just for, just for my wife's sake, but for my little boy's sake, because I don't want him to see me being this abrasive, verbally abusive daddy. Because if one little thing didn't go wrong in Jeremy's life, everybody else heard it and they knew it. It was just, I, I was just it was toxic some days. But when God changed me, he took that anger out of my life. You talk about peace. You know why I was so angry? Because everything was about me. Everything affected me. If you didn't do it my way, I was mad. And if I was mad, I was going to tell you about it. But you know what? I realized it ain't about me. When I realized it wasn't about me, it was about Jesus, I can walk in peace no matter if it ain't, if it ain't the way I want it. That's the power of God, church. That was one of the greatest signs that I knew Christ was working in me. When something bad happened, it didn't happen my way. Man, the, the biggest testament to that was when I was at work and a guy came up to me and cussed me out and I didn't punch his teeth down his throat. And I'm sitting there just as calm as a cucumber. I get, in the, I get back in my office, I was like, what happened? What, what happened? And I've been, you know why? Because I had been in the Word that day. I had been with God that day. And God was changing me from the inside out because I was letting Him. And I wasn't pushing against Him. So many of us are resisting God changing our lives because we like it better the way we were. Because we were in control. And to give it to God means He is in control and I am not. So if He's in control, then I might look like a fool in somebody else's eyes. But see, same thing about positional. you got to remember who you are. It don't matter what Rick thinks of me. It only matters what Christ thinks of me. Amen? If I'm walking with God, we're worried about other people. When other people can send you straight to hell, you need to worry about the only one that can save your soul. So he says that. Verse 3. I love verse 3. He says, For you died, and your life is now hidden, hidden with Christ in God. See, you have to intentionally submit your heart and your mind to Christ because you now trust and believe that he died for your sins, church. And because of the resurrection, you now live an eternal life with Christ. You are in Christ. Man, how beautiful is that? You are in Christ. The reality that when, man, the story that J.D. Greer told a couple years ago, it always stuck with me. He said that, so our salvation and the way God views us now is because of what Christ did. It's like this king. This king that there was money being stolen from his treasury. And when this money is being stolen from his treasury, he made this edict through the whole land. He says, if anyone is found, if I find out whoever is doing this, they will be sentenced to a hundred lashes. That was a death sentence. And as they began to investigate. Finally, they found out that it was the king's mother that was stealing the money. Some of us got family just like that, don't we? I'm playing. Anyway, it was the king's mother. And so, said, so the king had, he was a just king. He knew that he couldn't. He wanted to. He wanted to just wipe it away, but he couldn't. So he, he went ahead and he did the order. He, 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 he cast the order, and so the Soldiers came in and got his mother and they took her and they strapped her to this pole. And she was leaning over this pole and he had her strapped down. They took the back of her dress down so that her bare back would be shown. 
And as they got ready to give the order, the king, king gave the order for the lashings. And about the time they reached back to do it, he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The king gets off his throne. He walks down to where his mother is. He takes his robe off and he takes himself and he lays himself over his mother, completely covering his mother. And he says, go ahead. And they said, king, if, if I do that, I'm going to hit you. He said, do as I say. And as they begin to beat the king, they continue to beat the king. They give him the full 100 lashes. And his mother was never touched. It's just the same thing with us in Christ. We deserve judgment, church. But Christ decided to cover us. And he took our sin. He took our the things that we were supposed to be judged for. He took those things. He covered us. Because of the blood of Christ, when God looks down, he don't see you and your sinfulness. He sees Christ covering you. So if God sees Christ covering you, then why in the world wouldn't I live for the God, live for Jesus, live for the Savior that covered my sins willingly? No matter if I was going to listen or not. See, salvation gave us all the option to follow Christ. He's not going to make anybody, anybody do it without you wanting to because that would not be love. All of us got this choice, church. He says, your life is hidden in Christ. Man, that is amazing to me. It means he is your protection. So if Jesus Christ is my protection, then why should I fear? Whom shall I fear, right? So when I'm fearful, I need to go back in my mind and remind myself who I am in Jesus, right? I'm a child of the king. God says that I have given, I've not been given a spirit of fear, a spirit of fear, right? I got to remind myself of those things. I'm in Christ. If I'm in Christ, then he is my justifier. Then it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or anybody else says. He is the one that justifies me before God. Amen? If I'm hidden in Christ and he is my provider, then why should I worry about what I make and, the thing, and my job and all these things? I should put my trust in him. Amen? Understanding that. Verse 4. He says... When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also will appear with him in glory. I want you to understand something. A comma is putting a sentence to put emphasis on something. Right, teachers? It's, it's, there's this little sentence, there's this little clause right in the middle of this. He wants you to, he wants you to understand, the, he wants to emphasize this. When Christ who is your life, appears. Then you will also appear with him in glory. If he's your life. If he's your life, church. Not if he's an accessory. Not if he's a Sunday morning object. If he is your life. When he is your life. I mean, guys, we got to understand this. When he is your life, you lean on him, right? He is your everything. He is your life. Could you honestly say today that Jesus Christ is your life? Because if he isn't your life, then something's wrong. We preach, and people preach this, this very, very loose salvation that as long as you made a profession of faith and you, and you followed through with believer's baptism and you read your Bible and you go to church, then you're saved. If Christ Jesus isn't your life, then you're not saved. That's the reality. We preach this, this real easy 
seeker friendly and it is God wants to save your soul he wants but you have to give your life to Christ that means your life is no longer yours it is his so if he is not your life then you don't know him that's why it's so important that we submit everything to God when I have submitted my life to Christ then everything changes when I've submitted my life to Christ, it is so easy for God to, to give me joy. When I've submitted my life to Christ, I am changing. I'm different. I'm, I'm, I'm looking different from every other perspective. Amen? Y'all, I'm going to shout and jump if y'all ain't. I don't know what y'all's problem today. I mean, come on. This is good news. This ain't bad news. This is good news. Y'all ain't like none of y'all saved in here. If I'm saved, this is good news because he is my life. Somebody asked me a while back, man, why, why do you do this? Why do, why do you always spend time? Why are you spending time in the Word? Why are you doing this? But guys, I would do the same thing if I wasn't a pastor. My, my, my positioning, my gifting has nothing to do with my desire to follow Jesus. He's my life. He's everything. I know that without Him, nothing would change. Nothing would be any good without Him in my life. So, church, he has to be our life. When he is your life, then we get to participate in seeing his glory. But if he is not your life down here, why would you think you're going to have life up there? Because the reality is your life shows where your heart is. And so this life is going to dictate where you spend the next life. So if my life here ain't about Jesus, then my life there ain't going to be about Jesus. I'm going to wish to God it had been. See, church, that's the reality of things. See, when Christ is your life, verse 5, it says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And there's a list of things. He says, when, we, when Christ is my life, then I'm intentional with slaying those sins in my life that do not please God. I can't live in sin and live in God. Those things don't work out. I can't, I can't continue to pursue a sinful life and follow a holy God. That don't mean we don't mess up. That don't mean that there's not this times in which we, we get jacked up. But it's living a continuous life, right? This is a walk. I'm walking with God. I'm progressing with God. If I'm walking with God, then I can't stand here in sin. Because I'm walking with God. But some of us, it's like hopscotch. We're just jumping from one experience to the next, one emotional experience to the next. We're seeking this. We're seeking this emotional response, and we want these feel-good feelings that I'm good and I'm following God, but, but, but my life's not changing. So we seek the experience, and we miss the Savior. We want to have, that's why, that's why churches become so much consumeristic. I want this music, I want smoke, I want lights, I want this, I want that. If I've got all this atmosphere, then I can hear from God. You have missed the point. Give me a piano and four stanzas of Old Rugged Cross and I can experience God. Grandma did it, I can too. It don't take all that junk. We, we, we make it about us. But see, that's the thing, church. He has to be my life. 
when, when I recognize sin, I'm intentional on getting rid of it. I recognize that I have that there's a new change and there's a new heart, and I can't stay the old way. I'm pushing those things out. When He is your life, you are not. I'm telling you, you realize you're not important, and you push those desires away. That, that's what, when, when I first got saved, church. That's why I'm telling you. When I first got saved, the first thing that started happening was God started putting his finger on things in my life that needed to go. And as he did those things, I was obeying him. But let me tell you what happens. The superficial things are easy to get rid of. The alcohol was easy. The language was easy. The lust was easy. The anger was a little, was a little harder. But as God began to put his finger on certain things, I had a responsibility. Either I'm going to listen to God or I'm going to listen to me. Either I'm going to let my feelings rule it. When God started putting his finger on unforgiveness, forgiving people who favored other people over me, those things began to make me think, oh, not, not, not today, God. Not, not today, God. Because it made me feel uncomfortable. But God, if I forgive them right now, then right now I'm in control. If I forgive them, then they don't have any, like they're not going to pay for what they've done. If I hold on to this, they're paying for it. And the reality is it's only you that are paying for it because your heart is getting darker and darker. See, those things I was holding on to were only killing me, not promoting me. That's why God wants us to rid sin because the wages of sin is death, Right? If we hold on to sin, it's going to kill us. If we live in a lifestyle that doesn't please God, it's going to eventually kill us because what you're going to have to do, church, let me get up where you can hear me. This is what you're going to have to do, Christian. If you truly love Jesus, there's going to come a point in your life that you got to choose. you got to choose if you're going to live for you or if you're going to live for Jesus. If you're going to walk in sin or if you're going to walk in the light. And when you choose that, you're really choosing if I'm rejecting Jesus or I'm choosing him. It's a reality. And some of us, God puts his hand on some sin that we've been dealing with our whole life. Maybe it's acceptance. Maybe we've been wanting acceptance. And we finally found somebody that cares about me like I wanted somebody to care about me my whole life. And as they started caring about me, finally, I got somebody that cares about me. I compromise and I start living in sin, living with I move in with them. I start having sexual relationship with them. I'm not married, but yet I'm doing that because I finally found somebody that accepts me. And that's what I've been looking for my whole life instead of realizing that Jesus accepts me. And so I compromise the gospel and I say I'm following Christ, but I'm living in sin. It don't match. I, 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 I'm desiring the acceptance from other people, so I, so I go from partner to partner. I go from woman to woman. I go from man to man, trying to find my acceptance in what you, how you make me feel in the moment. And when that moment's gone, I'm looking for somebody else. I'm going from person to person looking for acceptance. And when God puts his hand on that and says, I accept you, you got to choose. Either I'm going to... Be a man or a woman that's pure and will walk in the ways of the Lord or I'm going to continue to be promiscuous and walk and have sex with whoever I want to. You can't walk in unrepentant sin and say you know Jesus. It don't work out that way. That's not the gospel. The good news is Jesus gave us a way out. But we have to make him our life. 
He is everything in us. Everything. And I know this might be tough for some of you. But this new, this new phase we're in, if y'all don't like toughness, wear some boots. Because it's going to be like this. God, man, I'm telling you, God's trying to purge his church, church. He wants people to understand that the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will pursue him. This, this, this cotton candy gospel that we try to present that's really weak and it's superficial, that it, it, makes, it satisfies us for the moment, but we're hungry tomorrow. He's done with that. And quite frankly, I am too. We, he wants true followers following a true God that's willing to sacrifice whatever it means for the gospel. Because he is your life. Amen? How about it in the corner? Amen? All right. Making sure you want to sleep. It says, I love this. He goes through, he says, because these, verse 6, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Because of sin, the wrath of God is coming. Then he says, you used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived. You used to walk. Used to, past tense. You can't walk like you used to now. Y'all with me? It don't get no simpler than this. We can't walk and live like we used to and claim Christ. It don't work. It don't work. But see, I love this about walking. It's a continuous motion. It's a continuous motion. I'm walking with God. I'm walking with God. If you ever stop, you start standing still, you're giving Satan an opportunity to catch back up with you. You got to keep walking. It's a progression. And the closer I take this walk, I'm walking closer to Christ. Every step I take, God's going to shed more sin out of my life if I let him. The next step, I'm getting closer to Christ every day. If I'm living, if I live and I'm walking in Christ and he is my life every single day, in 30 years from now, I should look back and say, Lord, have mercy what God has brought me through. One day when I get as old as Mr. Nick, I'll be like, Woo, look what God delivered me from. Amen. It's a progressive thing, church. And you know what that does? When you look back at what God brought you through, it gives you courage to keep step, taking steps of faith. It makes you so excited about what he's done in your life because you see that the power of the gospel is real because he has given you the power to walk away from you and into who he has called you to be. Man, that's awesome to me. Any of y'all remember who you once was? I'm glad he's called me out of that. Amen. I remember. Some of y'all ain't, no, ain't got no dinner plans because I told y'all, y'all amen me more the quicker we get out of here. And right now, we're looking at 2 o'clock, so y'all better hang on. <laughs> but he keeps going. He says, he says, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things. As these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. He, he, he lists all those things. See, to rid yourselves means you have to take the reins to be intentional with it, right? When he points them out, you have to intentionally rid yourself. Rid means eradicate, to get rid of, okay? Not just, not play with. You have to rid yourselves of those things. If you got roaches, you're going to call Chase, and he's going to come, and he's going to exterminate. He's going to get rid of them, Amen? I'm not, he, you're not going to say and say, you know what, man? Kill some of them, but don't kill all of them. Because I love half them roaches. <laughs> Come on, y'all with me? No, nobody loves a roach. So we shouldn't love sin. Because if you, if you kill half them roaches, you're going to have twice as much next time. 
If you leave half the sin of your life, you're going to have twice the, the battle next time. Because what you feed is going to grow. And if you kill it, it cannot grow. You've got to intentionally rid yourself of it. Verse 9 says, don't lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with this practices. Whoo, you better hang on. Don't lie to each other. That means you've got to be transparent with one another. But we don't like transparency. But you know why? Because it makes me look bad. But when it ain't about me and it's about Jesus, I'm okay with being transparent. My Lord, the stuff I've shared from this stage, I got home, I'm like, what did I tell them that for? It's transparency. And there's some things in your life you don't want everybody to know. I get that. But you need to tell somebody that's walking with you to hold you accountable so you don't go back. Amen? See, we lie to each other every Sunday. Some of y'all lie every Sunday. You walk in these doors, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. You lying through your teeth. And some people through their tooth. You're just lying. You know your week's been hell. You know it's been hard. You know you've been wanting to give up all week. But you don't want to tell nobody that. But see, if you could tell somebody what you're struggling with, then maybe, maybe, just maybe, we could pray for you. Because that's what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to pray and bear one another's burdens, right? We're supposed to walk, but I can't bear your burden if you won't show me what's going on. And I can't carry everybody's burden, you know what I mean? That's why we got to carry each other's burdens. There's some stuff that I struggle with that I lean on my brothers. I lean on Rick. I lean on Chase. I lean on Mr. Nick. I lean on these men. I give them some of the burdens I'm struggling with so that I know that I don't have to carry them on my own. We got to trust each other enough and realize. But see, if we're all realizing that he is our life and we're walking in sin and walking away from sin, and I know that Chase is doing that too, I'm okay to let my guard down because I know we're going in the same direction. And I'm not going to let my guard down with the brother who's still playing and dabbling in sin because I know all you're going to do is go back and gossip about me. I know all you're going to do is go tell somebody what I'm dealing with so you can promote yourself. So transparency can't happen in church until we are really seeking God. And we want to talk about, I want true, I want real community. Well, you need to be real in the way you communicate. You need to be real in you dropping your burden. You need to be real in dropping your guard down. Don't say, I want real community. You want everybody else to share their guts, but you don't want to open your mouth. Come on. That aggravates me. That aggravates me. It does that. I mean, it, you won't, why do you want me to share that I am struggling with something, but you won't tell me what you're struggling with because you're scared everybody's going to find out? How can I pray for you? How can I walk you through that? No, because you're too prideful. Christ ain't your life. Your life is still about you. And we will never understand what true gospel community is till we as God's people let our guard down and we share what we're struggling in. Nothing will change, ever will change. We'll still feel like we're not connected with people. You know why we don't feel we're connected with people? Because we're not connecting to people. People gripe. Oh, I just feel this. The church don't feel connected like it used to be. That's because you ain't been to church in five weeks. You ain't been in the connect group in a month. You don't feel connected because you're not connected. When I talk to you or anybody else tries to call you, you don't want to talk to them. You know why? Because it's about you. And I promise, I'm not talking about nobody in this room. Or nobody, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It never fails. When I preach, everybody's like, you talking about me. No, I wasn't. Real life, right? Y'all with me? Real life. I'm being transparent. 
Because he continues on. Don't lie to each other. Why not? Because we have to put on, verse 10, and put on the new self, which is being renewed. It didn't say it's new, right? It's being renewed in the knowledge, in the image, in the image of its creator, church. We got to put on our new self, which means I got to be intentional. Church, you got to be intentional every morning. Some of us go to jobs that are very hard to live out the gospel. And I got to be intentional when I get up and go to work that I am putting on the armor of God. I got to be intentional. I'm putting on this new creation. That when I go to my job, that I can live in this newness. Because if I don't get up and I'm intentional with that, I might go in with my old mindset. I might go in and disdain the name of Jesus because it's about me today. Church, I'm telling you, we've got to put on the new self. It means I'm intentional. And I want you to understand something. It's not natural at first. Because to live like Christ is so contrary to the world we live in. To live like Christ is so contrary to how we grew up. To live like Christ is so contrary to the religious nature that we grew up in. Because we've lived in this church culture for so long that it's been okay with coming to church and living a life of sin. As long as you came and you got your attendance. As long as you've done these things, everything's okay. See, God didn't come so you could, he didn't die on the cross so you could just have perfect church attendance. He came so you would have a new life. A fulfilled life in Jesus. So we got to be intentional with putting on the new self. See, when life sucks, when life is hard, then I got to be intentional with putting that on, church. The only way I can love my wife the way she demands and she should be loved is I put on the new self, church. I'm so convicted some days that I don't love my wife like Christ loved the church. And I want her to know that she knows that she knows that Jeremy loves Jesus, but Jeremy loves her just as much as he loves Jesus. I won't sacrifice for my wife if I'm not sacrificing for Jesus. Any relationship. Church, we got to put on our new self. We got to be intentional with it. It don't just happen. See, God gave us salvation, and, it's, and the moment you really give your life to Jesus, it happens like this. You are immediately in the kingdom. The moment you truly give your life to Jesus, you truly commit your life to Christ, it happens like this. But as you're being renewed, it's a process. And the more you submit to Christ, the faster the process goes. I've seen people, Jason and I talked about this before, when, when I got saved, it was like not putting anybody above anybody, but when I got saved, I don't know, for some reason, I just, it just clicked, and I just started growing like crazy. And I was just 100 miles an hour. If you know my personality, that's how I am. It's just like, give me the go, and we go, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm growing, 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 growing. Chase gets saved about the same time. And Chase was talking about how his growth, it, it, took, it took longer. Does that mean that he was a bad Christian and I wasn't? No. It just meant that I was, I was submitting to him more at the time than he was. But I might have had more opportunities to submit. You know why? Because I was running faster. See, church, this race is with you racing to be more like Christ 
not racing against your fellow brothers in Christ to be like Christ. So many times we start racing and we start looking at this one or that one and we start getting discouraged because I'm not as godly as that one. Stop looking at that one. Look to Jesus. When he is your life, you're focused on him. Stop looking to everybody else and look to him because the more you look to him, the more you're going to look like him. But the more you start looking around, you're going to start looking like the people you're looking and comparing yourself to. So that's what happened to me. I was looking at all the people at church and I was comparing myself to them and I was looking at them thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good Christian because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing the same things they do. We was riding the same bus down the same highway. ACDC sings about it all the time. And riding this religious bandwagon straight to hell. Church, I'm telling you, and as we get ready to close, Renewing your mind is the process, but it's the beginning. You got to be God's man. You got to be God's woman. You got to be intentional with that and allow Him to change you. Salvation is so, so unexplainably priceless. I'm not going to say it's cheap because it's not. But Christ gave us this priceless gift of salvation. And we should be so thankful that we're going to live the rest of our lives showing how much we love Him because of that. He needs to be our life. You can't live in sin and glorify God. And I think God's calling us to be a holy church. Not us, but the church. Be a holy, righteous church that pursues Him. True salvation church is proven by our continual walk with Him. To where you are today. Maybe you're still standing in the same spot that you claim you got started in. Maybe you've given God your life. Maybe you've made that commitment, but you, you hadn't took any steps. Maybe you really need to commit your life to Jesus. Maybe truly today you need to really give your life to Christ and say, you know what? I've just been standing in the same spot. I never have stepped out in my faith never have really submitted my life to Christ. I need to really surrender my life to Jesus today. I'm not interested in your hand raised. I'm interested in your heart change. So I ain't asking you to raise your hand. I'm asking you to meet me at this altar. If you're living in a place right now, if you're living in a place that you know that does not please God, and if you're okay with it, then you need to, you need to come to this altar and say, God, make me not okay with this because I know this isn't right. That my, my emotions have overruled me. Church, I want you to really ask yourself, has my heart been changed? Is my mind being renewed? Is Jesus Christ my life? And if he's not my life, if he's not your life, then I want you to ask yourself, Lord God, show me the things in my life that are not, or causing my life not to be centered and founded and rooted on you. Because you know what? The greatest gift I could ever give anybody in this church is not salvation. The greatest gift I could ever give anybody is the pastor of your church is to be real, to be transparent, to be honest. And that's my heart. My heart is for God's people to really know God and really follow Him. And the reality is this. I know this. I followed, I followed all these revivals all over the world. I've read all these books. You know when revival takes place? When we take God seriously. 
on an individual level. And it's like, we, this group right here could change the world if we would just take God serious. And it all starts and ends with you. It all starts and ends with what you want. Do you want Jesus or do you want you? Do you really want to surrender? What are you holding on to today? I'm just going to leave that up to you. If you really need to give your life to Jesus, I'll be up here. I'll be up here. I will pray with you. Rick Lane is here. Nick Joyce, Nick, Mr. Nick, Miss Joyce is here. Chase is here. Find someone. And let's pray through this together. If you're struggling through something, you need prayer, let's pray. Amen. We got to realize that this ain't a time to come listen. It's time to listen and act. Amen. So what are you going to act on? Let's move. Let's stand. Father God, we come to you right now knowing, Lord, your word is true and your word is faithful. And God, I thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you, Father, for how you move in our hearts and how you move in our lives. And God, I just pray today that, that God, your gospel would, would just penetrate us to the core. That we would realize how good you are and how far you went to save us. And God, I pray that Lord, we would really think about our lives and if we're truly are yours. Lord, I pray that we would just really ask ourselves, am I walking or am I standing still? Have, have I, am I, did I just go through a phase in which I was trying to change me because my friends were, were doing the church thing? Or God, am I really, truly following you? God, I pray for all of us. I pray for those of us in this room right now that, that you are our life. But there's things in our life that we need to walk away from. God, give us the courage and the strength to do that. God, help us be transparent today. God, help us be real today. And Father, I pray that if any of us in this room, you've laid someone else on our heart, that we would love each other enough to go with them and pray with them. God, help us be your church so that the world around us will know that we are your people. And God, I ask you and I beg you to move. In Jesus' name, I pray.